you want to follow in your New Testaments, we'll be reading out of James chapter 3. I'm going to read James 3, 1, and then go to verse 13. We're going to have James 3, 1 up there. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. Go to verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts... Do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but it's earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace let's pray father help us like always to understand your word father god penetrate our hearts and our minds father god let us not leave here the same way we came in let us treasure wisdom from above help us remove all earthly unspiritual and demonic wisdom from our hearts and minds father god Let us see clearly today the difference, the eternal difference between earthly, unspiritual, demonic wisdom that has man at its center and the heavenly wisdom that has you at its center, Father God. Help us to understand what the Apostle James is teaching us today in Jesus' precious name. Amen. If we could put Proverbs 1, 1 to 7 up there. If I were to take a page out of the Bible that were to define part of the role of parenting, and I want to say part of the role of parenting, there's a lot that goes to parenting. It would be Proverbs 1, 1 to 7, and it says this, The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. And this is what he wants children to know. To know wisdom and instruction. To understand words of insight. To receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity. To give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. To understand the proverb and the saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. The truths revealed here are imperative, and I say imperative, for a child to grow strong in discerning the difference between good and evil in this world today. Good and evil, especially evil, throws themselves at a child. It's out to seek a child. It's out to direct a child. Everywhere a child goes, there's evil everywhere. Parents notice. Parents prepare their children for a life that they can enjoy life but be safe at the same time. 
to live in a world full of moral traps and to navigate them with God's wisdom on life is called here the fear of the Lord. And that goes for everybody, not just children. Proverbs was written for parents to instruct their children in wise living and to avoid foolish living. Let me give you an, an analogy that will help here. Several years back, many years back, I've used this analogy before. One summer I was at a friend's house that had three small boys and they had a big, huge pool in the back. And pools are fun, you know, but they can be dangerous if you don't know how to swim, you know. And that same, uh, same summer I was at a friend's house at the Jersey Shore, big house, ocean. Oh, everybody's having fun but three small boys. Again, they didn't know how to swim. And then I was out upstate New York and again at a lake. And again, there was a family there, had children, friends of ours, and they all had something in common. They all taught their children how to swim early. Because if you're going to enjoy a pool, you're going to enjoy the ocean, you're going to enjoy the lake, you best make sure your children know how to swim. Otherwise, it's a terrible place to be. We all know that fear. And that's how life is growing up. A parent takes serious of growing their children up in the moral rights and wrongs from God's perspective. And that's called the fear of the Lord. How to live right in this moral wilderness that we live in. It's, the, the world is great. I love life. Ah, you're looking at a man that generally loves life. But I know the future is uncertain. I know there's all sorts of inconsistencies in life. Nothing's guaranteed. So, and, and I like this old proverb. Did you ever hear this one? If you don't have your health, you have what? I despise that. I despise it. How full, like, like you're guaranteed your health tomorrow. Health today, sickness tomorrow. Listen, just because you're healthy today doesn't mean you're going to have it tomorrow. There's no guarantee of anything in life. How do you go to the hospice and say, oh, sorry guys, you're all sick, you got nothing to live for. Yeah. I share when I go to a hospice, I don't go in there timid. Yeah. I go in there with the Bible in my hand, proclaiming the word Amen. of life. Amen. These people have absolutely no hope at all. When a Christian walks in, we don't go by the fear of death that's everywhere. We go in there and we have the word of eternal life. We don't walk in, sorry guys, you don't got your health, guess what? <laughs> you have nothing. No. God is in the house and God is here to resurrect your lives and give you hope even at the last moment of your life. We teach our children how to swim. James, that I just read, is doing a similar thing here in our text for his congregation. He's teaching them how to swim in a wicked world. Guess what they're doing? They're sinking. They're not doing good at all. This congregation is, is, is wrapped up in all sorts of sensuality and sinfulness and, and negativity. and It's, it's got to learn all over again. This congregation has fallen prey to the wisdom that is of this world. That's what's happened to this congregation. Verse 1 shows us that the church has wrongly entertained some bad teachers and their teachings and are suffering from these consequences. Since James does not mention names or insinuate who they might be, Jesus does that, the Apostle Paul does that. They call people who they are, they insinuate it. He talks about looking for certain characteristics that will obviously be following teachers and their teachings. Every action has 
a reaction. Our text introduces them and us today to what appears as wisdom in the sphere of interpersonal relationship. And let me say this clear, within organizations, isn't always good. There were people who were saying, this is how the church should function. This is what the church is about. This is what God brought you together for. These are the false teachers. I'll explain that a little later on. Words of wisdom today could end up being the seeds of destruction later on. You know, arrogance has this counterfeit sort of authority on it. People are walking arrogance and people are walking in, in, in rebellion. It almost seems like, man, they know what they're talking about. Listen to the way they talk. You know, it sounds so good, so smooth. It sounds so edifying, but little do they know it's the seeds of destruction. And we're going to find that out as we go along. We have to understand what's demonic, unspiritual, and earthly wisdom. Be careful here. Do not take Satan, how can I say, uh, don't downplay his role. James is not downplaying his role of satanic influence over here. Satan has a way of getting in between friends. Not too long ago, someone who I call one of my best friends, and he does the same for me, a believer, uh, something was brought to his attention that caught his attention. It was was a lie, but it was about me and his church. And uh, he didn't get a chance to speak to me right away, but over the course of time, that, that little bit of earthly wisdom that sounded good, really separated me and him for a moment until we got together and we, and we ironed everything out. We realized what's happened. That's demonic wisdom. Anything that separates friends, anything that separates good brothers and sisters, anything that comes and separates and divides and conquers is not, earth, is not heavenly wisdom. It is demonic. And we have to be, on, we have to be careful of that all the time. All the time. Because it even even can sneak into husbands and wives. Pastors of churches. Leaders of churches. We have to be careful as Paul says. We are not unaware of Satan's schemes. Satan loves to divide. He took down Adam and Eve. He took down David. He went toe to toe with Moses. The only person he never failed against was Jesus Christ. Don't underestimate the power of deception by Satan. Using a wisdom like this is this this is this news sounds good, but really at the end the seeds of destruction there. We'll talk about this as we go into our text. James is bringing our attention to these things. James throughout this letter has been troubleshooting the mess, the mess the church has been caught up in because of this earthly wisdom. He has spoken of trials and tests that we go through as Christians. He talks about sin that comes within. How the word of God is able to save souls and bring stability to the life of a community and any Christian. The word of God can bring stability to life. You got a lot of burnings and fires in your life. You're having a hard time in your life. You're having a hard time in relationships. You have, I'll tell you right now, the word of God brings stability into your life. You give it a chance. It's wisdom from above. How favoritism was a problem in this church. Faith without works of love was in this church. There was a lot of faith, but there was no works of love towards one another. How the tongue can cause divisions within the congregation. And here in our verses tonight, how to spot false wisdom and recognize who really is the wise man. That's what's in our text tonight. I like to call the book of James in our text and our text tonight, Continuing Education. 
I love continue because we should all grow up in the book of Proverbs, but the truth of the matter is James is not talking to children. He's talking to adults, Christian adults, who need continuing education in their life or higher education. Understand something. You want to be spiritual? Love. He who loves is the most spiritual. That's the point he's making over here. So while text night goes beyond just personal discernment, as in Proverbs, that's personal discernment, to congregational wisdom that governs groups of people. We need wisdom. Look what's going on in the political arena in our country today. It is polar opposites. It is divisive. It is angry. It is violent. And as the book of James teaches us, the anger of man can never bring about the righteousness God desires. You can't have a peaceful, righteous nation when the nation is biting and devouring one another. Neither can a congregation. And unfortunately, I've seen this within congregations. I've seen pastors fighting with each other. I've seen worship leaders fighting with each other. I see leaders and elders fighting with each other because the wisdom of the world has entered in. I see husbands and wives fighting with each other, children and their parents, parents and their children, so on and so forth. Best friends fighting with each other because some kind of wisdom has got in there and it's not the wisdom that brings peace, it's wisdom that brings division. The importance of this lesson in life concerning wisdom cannot be expressed too much or too often. The wisdom on how to live with others and honor God is as needed today as it has ever been, even in James's day. Satan loves to divide and conquer, and trust me, he is good at it. No, he has mastered the art of divide and conquer. We need to recognize the polar opposite characteristics between two wisdoms. In our churches, in our homes, in our children especially. A parent's nightmare. And, and, and my wife brings this to my to my attention often when we were kids and and you know we, we started smoking pot you know with kids you know and you get the alienation from your your mother and the alienation from your father when you first start going down the wrong road or having sex and you're a kid and the guilt that's all over you you know and you know people are speaking to us and you know and you're following the wrong crowd and the wrong crowd is earthly wisdom and parents know something's going on with the kids. Something's got in there. Something's directing them. What happened to my child? They were different in the summer. Now they're coming out of school. And they're different. There's different attitudes. What's taking place? Why so rebellious? What's going on over here? Where, where is this coming from? Chances are it's earthly wisdom. We need to have wisdom. Pastoral concern. We need to have God's wisdom at home between husbands and wives, between friends in the workplace. You know who needs, you know needs real heavenly wisdom? In-laws. And if you have children that just got married, you have to know how to stay out of your children's business sometimes. You really do. Mother-in-laws and father-in-laws that are meddling all the time into their children's lives, you've got to stay out of that. You know, when me and my wife first got married, we went through a difficult time. And my wife found herself sleeping at my sister-in-law Kim's house. And my mother-in-law walked in one day and said, what's going on here? Every time I'm here, you're here. And so, you know, we're having trouble at home. And I remember my mother-in-law saying that she was a godly woman with a lot of, you know, godly wisdom. 
Is he hitting you? No. Is he cheating on you? No. Is he harassing you or harming you in any way? No. Get back into the house and make it work. Not like, this is my child. Get away from him. First of all, they didn't even like me to begin with. I was from the other side of the railroad track. You know, they're seeing my name in a spectator for being arrested again. This is the one the daughter's marrying. But that's not my mother, Lord, didn't do that. She used godly wisdom. You don't get involved. You pray and you direct, but you don't get involved. We've seen too many things like that. So I said, who's influencing who? What kind of wisdom has really influenced us in our life? Well, our text gives us a lot of great answers. Let's go to our text and take a look at it. To our text. James 3, 3, verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. Our study opens with a question, a rhetorical question. Who is wise and understanding among you? Basically what he's saying is keep your eyes and your ears open. God is always at work among you. They might be the minority. They They might look unsuspecting. And not charismatic, but they have a God first and God's glory always approach to life. Who is the wise and discerning among you? If you have a group of men and women calling themselves Christian and depending on God, depending on the scriptures and depending on the Holy Spirit, you can rest assured God has wise people in the congregation. Who is this wise and who are these understanding? If you are a Christian, God will always supply ample wisdom for your soul. Always. You have to recognize. And as I say here in my notes, but you have to recognize the difference. Because earthly, unspiritual, demonic wisdom can counterfeit as the real thing. But within it is the seeds of discord. It's not always packed with the way you're supposed to should be. It could be a parent, it could be a friend, it could be the pastor, it could be a spiritual mom and dad. Young, young Christians have spiritual moms and dads, people that mentor them in the faith. It's not always the person up in the front that has the most wisdom. Sometimes it's the Christian sitting down that's meek and mild, that really has answers for life. They've lived it. I was talking to a friend of mine once and he's, he's like, man, I go to this church, it's hip, it's the hip church. Everybody's hip, 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 hip. Nobody's over 35 years old. And let me tell you something. It might look cool. But I'm telling you something. You want godly wisdom that's been around 30, 40, 50 years. You don't want some new kid who knows a couple of verses of scripture. Now, I'm not saying God doesn't use that. Please understand. I'm not saying that at all. But godly wisdom is usually needed out in the reality of a hard life. And know how to live life on God's terms and not turn away. And, and make it work. And my mother-in-law said, you make it work. The co- qualifications are their lifestyle. Not the PhD at the end or a pastor. Pastors should have this wisdom, but unfortunately many don't. They conduct their own affairs. 
How do people conduct their own affairs? That's what he's saying here. What's the qualifications? Well, you can tell by the fruit of their life. It says here, by his good conduct, let him show his works in meekness of wisdom. These are the qualifications. It's their lifestyle. How they conduct their own affairs. Look at someone's life. Look at their family. Look at the way they deal with their money. Look at what they say to others. Look at their reputations. Do they have a lot of friends? Do they have a lot of acquaintances? Are they a friendly type of person? Or have they burned every bridge? Are they always always fighting? Always having uh, uh, quarrels amongst them and all this kind of stuff? You You might not find the wisdom you needed in such a life like that. We are to really see how people conduct their life. Remember what wisdom is. Listen how God treasures wisdom out of Proverbs 3. I didn't write it down, so you have to follow with me over here. Blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding. For the gain from her is better than gain from silver, and her profit is better than gold. Wisdom is more precious than jewels, and nothing you desire compares with her. Long life is in her right hand, and her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant, and all her paths are peaceful. She is a tree of life to those who lay hold of her. Those who lay hold fast call them blessed. That is what wisdom, that is what it is to live life. The wise person does not... How could I say this? The wise person does their deeds in the meekness of wisdom. The meekness of wisdom. What does that mean, the meekness of wisdom? Say that again. That's exactly what it means. This means in humility of heart. Humility of heart. This is a person always fearing the Lord. Their whole life lines up with the fear of the Lord. They don't make a move. They don't say a word. They're prudent in their speech. They're prudent in their actions. They're prudent in all their interpersonal relationships. They care about all people equally. They're doing it with humility in the fear of the Lord. Always mindful that God needs to approve what's been said. Think about that. Who's meek? It's that person that's always, always, God has to give the okay to whatever they say. Could you imagine you went through your whole life like that? Not saying a word unless you know God approves of what you're saying. That's the fear of the Lord. That's why he's living. Always mindful that God needs to approve what is being said. And always knowing that God will judge every word. That's why I read chapter 3, verse 1. There were teachers that were just saying whatever they wanted to say. There were people coming up in the congregation just saying whatever they wanted to say. Let me understand. See, 20, the 21st century church to us is a little different than it was years ago. 2,000 years ago it would be a home church. And anybody can come in. And during the week people would gather around the marketplaces and else. And they would start teaching against what the apostles were saying. They weren't coming into the congregation. They were waiting for the congregation to dismiss. And then they would follow. And then they would peddle their wares. 
This is the attitude of the wise person. They often don't carry the credentials of the world. But then again, the church is not of this world. The credentials of God, you've got to be careful who the wise and the, and the discerning person really is. These are people who walk close to God and are saturated with his word and saturated with years of obedience through the worst of times and prolonged trials and temptations. They stayed the course and they lived right for God. That's the kind of wisdom you want to be around. Do not be easily misled by someone's position in life. God often, God often deposits his wisdom in unsuspecting people. That's why he says, who is wise amongst you? Wisdom is self-revealing. Did you know that? You ever get to a hard time in your life, maybe your Christian life, and you know God's put someone on your mind, call this person up. Talk to this person. Well, why is that? Because you know there's something different about the person. You know there's a sense of trust there. You can, you can hear something you need to hear. You can bounce something off somebody. Wisdom reveals itself. Listen to verses 14 and 16. <clears throat> but if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts... Do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but it's earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. Verse 14 is a very telling verse in our text tonight. It seems that this bitter jealousy and selfish ambition is being disguised as God's word that he says here to the truth. Do not boast and be false to the truth. The truth in, this, in James's epistle is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's everything Christ has taught us. Everything Christ has paid. It's contradictory to who Jesus Christ is. They disguised it as they're speaking on behalf of God. They're pontificating all these spiritual things. But yet their life is a mess. These individuals, whoever they might be, are so extremely zealous about their position on any topic that they're becoming toxic. This, these are the know-it-alls. It's my way or the highway. There's no room for another answer or another way of seeing things. In their zeal to govern others, and that's what's going on over here, and I think of politicians and their zeal to govern, how they have to stand before God one day, man. I, 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 their soul's got to get right with Christ. Yeah. They're governing men with lies and deceit and corruption. They, they're modern-day political Pharisees. They've got to be careful. Yeah. In their zeal to govern others, or just be the answer man, the know-it-all, their attitude disqualifies them. Over time, only disorder. Understand what he means by this. It's a breakdown of peaceful conversations and relations between people. That's the disorder over here. Is accomplished. And vile practice. What does he mean by that? Vile practice. Behind the scenes of people like this, there's always sin of every kind. Always. People who live in such a manner, who have such a high attitude of themselves, who 
live with this earthly, unspiritual, demonic wisdom on how to govern lives are always living in hedonistic lifestyle of one sort or the other. It's there. The Bible teaches it clearly. These are wolves in sheep's clothing. These are hidden sins. And disorder with others are usually characteristic of bitter jealousy and selfish ambition. Look at the workplace. Look at wherever you hang out. Look where the crowd is. Where you hang out. Just look at the selfish ambition that hangs around. Look at the bitter jealousy. These things that thrive. And why is that? Well, because verse 13 teaches us there's no real fear of God in people's lives. Even though they teach and speak about God, their hearts are far from them. Jesus said that to the Pharisees. You worship me with your lips, but your hearts are far from me. Matter of fact, you worship me, you worship God with your lips, but your hearts are far from him. Your hearts are actually filled with all greed and corruption. Your whitewashed tombs filled with dead men's bones. Jesus preached, he was an ice water flowing through his veins. He stared you down. As a whole, this type of wisdom, this approach to life with others, is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. It has self at the center and not other people. It doesn't have obedience to God at its center. It doesn't bring people together as its center. On the contrary, it's divisive and antagonistic. And it's a last evaluation when it's all over, when the smoke clears and the dust settles, is that the devil was in this place. There's discord. There's backbiting. There's anger. Have you ever been in a place like this? Every human being has. It could be the workplace. It could be home. It could be, unfortunately, in churches. And that's what we're dealing with here. We don't want ever to see this in the church. The world is filled. These are elitist snobs is what they are. They think they have the answer for everybody. And when they leave, the place is worse conditioned than it was when they got there. But wisdom from God is different. Listen to this. There's eight characteristics here to reveal godly wisdom. Wisdom that makes a divine difference in other people's lives. And that's what wisdom is for. Not just to negotiate how to live in this moral wilderness, but it's how to make a difference in other people's lives. This is godly wisdom. Listen to James 17 and 18. But the wisdom from above is first pure. Then it's peaceable and it's gentle. It's open to reason. It's full of mercy and good fruits. It's impartial and it's sincere. And the harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make it. There's not one bad word in those two verses. There's no discord. There's no evil. There's no bit of jealousy. Listen to all of them. Well, listen to the fruit over here. The first thing we want to look for in these people that have a God-first mentality, who have the fear of the Lord, is that they're pure. And what that means, they're, they're free from any hidden agenda or ulterior motives. Life for this person is all about God. Their desire is for others to live as close to God as they possibly can. They want to be a catalyst in another person's life to bring them closer to God. And to enjoy God. They're pure. There's nothing hidden. Who they are is what you see. They're not going to say yes, yes, yes to try to get something out of your pocket or or get something. Let me tell you something. You find friends like this, you're not going to find many. Hold on as dear as you can. Peaceable is our next attribute. 
This attribute is about bringing peace between men. Always looking to the Godward side of any dispute. Always taking the high road. Getting people to see in another way. Blessed are the peacemakers. They're free from opinions. They're free from hidden motives. They can speak on behalf of God. Our next attribute is gentle. Listen to this wisdom. Listen to this attribute. This attribute seeks never to disturb the welfare, the emotional welfare of others. Even when someone has done wrong. Never condescending, but always thinking of restoration, never alienation. This person is the person you can tell anything and not be judged. You can tell the deepest and the darkest. And you'll get nothing but a handshake and a hug. And let's get closer to God. This is a gentle soul. This is the kind of wisdom Jesus Christ walked in. When I was going over gentle, I just thought of that woman they threw in front of him. Caught in the act of adultery. Naked. Thrown down. The crowd had stones. They wanted to stone her. What do you say? What does Moses command us to do? And the only one that could have stoned her was Christ because he said, he who is without sin cast the first stone. And you can see the gentleness of the Savior towards this woman caught in the act of adultery, dragged out of bed. She was set up. Christ is gentle. That's what a shepherd's supposed to be. That's what Christians are supposed to be. It's not our time to beat them up and say, ha ah, I got you. I told you so. And not just that, but they're open to reason is our fourth one. This attribute is slow to draw on a conclusion. Let me, let me explain this. This person listens well to someone's heart as they explain their position on every topic, even their failure. It's not just black and white. There's a person in there. You gotta listen to the person's heart. You gotta listen to this human being that's been struggling with something, maybe caught in something. This person does not have to have the last word, even when they're right. It's not about having the last word. Some things are not worth fighting over. This person who's open to reason does not major in the minors. They'll talk through everything. They'll listen carefully. I'll put five and six together. Full of mercy and good fruits is the wisdom. This is my favorite. This is the person who so loves God for the mercy shown them. Those who sin much are and those who are forgiven much love much. This is really my favorite. This is the person who so loves God for his mercy shown to them that when someone else has come to the end of their rope because of self-inflicted wounds, this person doesn't say, I told you so. I told you, you should have done it. I've been warning you. No, not this person. This person is filled with mercy. They just roll up their sleeves and help the other human being. That's it. God never sits there and says, well, you know, let's go over the whole thing and uh, let's see what's going on over here. No. This person never kicks another man when they're down. 
This is mercy full of good fruits. This is a picture of Jesus Christ. They all are. They're not worrying about their rights or getting even or getting back. Oh, you got them in court. This is your time. Smash them. Now, this person just wants to go on with life, doesn't want to burn a bridge, rather keep a relationship. It's not about the bottom line. It's not about money. It's not about this is my right. This is my right. This is my right. They don't care about their rights anymore. Their rights don't exist anymore. Only God's love exists in this person. This person is full of mercy. And the good fruits of mercy is how they deal with people who are struggling with sin in their life and struggling with weaknesses in their life. The sixth one is impartial. This means without bias. Not taken to one side or the other. Here's all things said. It makes a decision based on the facts. They don't go into it with presuppositions. Oh, I know what this person's all about. They're losers. No. This person's totally impartial. They hear everything. With an unbiased mind. They want to hear the facts. This is no rubber stamp yes man. This is a man that thinks for himself. I've often shared from the pulpit about me and my wife too. When people say, you know, so-and-so is going to the church or this, you know, be careful of this. Over the years, you know, be careful of this one. Me and my wife don't listen to any of that. We build our own relationships with people. I don't care what you think or what they said to you. I don't want to know anything about it. I have the wisdom of God in me. I'll make my own decision on someone else. I don't need your presuppositions. Don't poison people with your own heart. Don't let anybody poison you about someone else. Don't don't allow that. Be impartial to that. Get away from that. Be your own man. Think for yourself. Think with godly wisdom. Let the Holy Spirit lead you and guide you and direct you. And he's also sincere. Without hypocrisy, without deception. This person is just a very honest human being. You get what you see. When these characteristics dominate a Christian community, or a Christian marriage, or a family, and all our interpersonal relationships, then you will see and enjoy a true God-given harvest of right relationships. And have a full life. What do you think? Who has the full life? The man who has all the toys? Or the man who has all the friends? Give me friends. Give me people. Give me people I care. Give me people I can share with. And people I can have a good time with in fellowship. I can't take things with me. It's about human beings. And I'm afraid a lot of Christians just don't have that. I'm afraid they struggle with this other kind of worldly unspiritual demonic wisdom that finds himself at odds with people all the time fighting going toe to toe my rights have been violated do you not know what they said to me I got a phone call the other day husband and wife Christians and the husband started 
railing on the wife. She's right there on the other side of the phone. I'm a kind guy, but I had to lace into him right there. I said, don't you ever do that again. Everything. Your wife is there. This is before you and God. You're talking to me. You don't, you don't ever do that. And for about two minutes, I read in the riot act, and I said, when you're right with God, you can call me back. You have free access into my life anytime, but you have to get right with God. It's beyond Brian Martin now. You're not right with God. You don't talk that way. You don't act that way. When these characteristics dominate a Christian community or Christian marriage and a family, and all our interpersonal relationships, and you can have this. This is the kind of wisdom you can have. Then you will see and enjoy a true God-given harvest of right relationships. You reap what you sow. And often I have to speak to people and say, well, the only common denominator here is you. That's it. Another job, another problem. Another neighbor, another problem. Another Thanksgiving dinner, another problem. Another this, another problem. Another this, another problem. Only one common denominator. Only in these fertile soils of peace will we ever enjoy life. That's it. The Word of God says it. That's it. Anyone who thinks he's enjoying life but is always fighting with others is not enjoying life. Some people are antagonistic and they enjoy being divisive. The Apostle Paul says it this way in Titus. He goes, rebuke a divisive man once and then twice. After that, have nothing to do with them. Like gangrene. We have to know when divisiveness is around us. We really have to know when there's a wisdom around us. You know something? And I, and I share this all the time. I don't want to hear about someone else's dirty laundry. Let them tell me. We're a praying church. We don't have to go around finding things out. If God wants us to know something about someone, guess what? God's going to let us know. It might take a week, a month, or a year. It makes no difference. But God's going to be the one who shows us. Not someone else's hit list in their gossip list. Without this kind of peace, and here's something about the Bible you need to know. The Bible never gives a third option. It's either black or white. It's either peaceful or it's evil. If we're not living in this harvest of righteousness, this peaceful wisdom that God gives, then the only other thing is to live with jealousy and selfish ambition can exist. That's it. Look at your lives. Look at your family lives. What's going on? Where is it? Is there peace? Is there righteousness between people? Or is there discord in every evil practice? then you can rest assured there's jealousy and selfish ambition in the heart. I want to ask you this. What side of the paragraph do we find ourselves living on? This is what we value at this church. This is what I value. This is what God does. This is who I want to be. This is all I want to be. No motives. No hidden agendas. Except this, that you have another person's best intentions in your heart. Can you say you have that? 
Can you say the only thing you have is another human being's best intention in your heart? That is it. That's what God expects of us. And nothing less. And that's what the Holy Spirit produces in us through the Word of God. Let's pray. Father, help us in this endeavor. Remove any kind of jealousy we might have in our heart, Father God. Any kind of bitterness, Father God. Anywhere we've been hurt, whether real or perceived, Father God. Let us relinquish this all to you, God. Let us live in contentment. With you and with other people, God, let us have this wisdom that's from above, Father God. We cherish this wisdom from above here at Sonship, Father God. We don't want anything else. We want no hidden agendas, no ulterior motives. Always want in this church, and we labor in vain, is for Christ to be formed in people, and that's it. Father God, let this be a church, let this be a community of fellowship, of righteousness, Father God, where we can generally enjoy each other and learn from one another, Father God, and to exercise the gift and the fruit of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name.